Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello, everyone. This is Frankie V and Denzel. Hey, what's up, y'all? We're here to talk to you about the words of Jesus in the Gospels, another reference to the kingdom of God as we work chronologically through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we are in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. And I want to preface before uh, Denzel reads the passage. The words of Jesus that we have been looking at, virtually all of them are incredibly challenging. Some of them are frightening. And I think any sober believer who is looking at them clearly, not that we're afraid of God or anything like that, but these are challenging, costly words. Mm -hmm. And for me, the reaction I have is, Lord, only by your grace, um, may I lay hold of your grace so that I will not fall victim to some of the consequences of falling short of what you are asking. And that's on one level. Now, the other level is salvation is free. Hmm. Grace is free. It's all by faith. And as we look further into these passages, we're going to see this this dichotomy that on the one hand, the gospel is free. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't work for it. Our own efforts will always fall short. But on the other hand, there is a cost attached to receiving salvation and pressing into Hmm. God's kingdom. And there is always the real sober warnings of Jesus Hmm. when it comes to false conversions and empty professions. And we're going to look at one of those in this session. So why don't you go ahead and read the passage for us? Sure, I will. I'm very glad that you, you prefaced it as uh, as you did because this year Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 these are one of the verses that about the kingdom of heaven that first time I read it like you said I was terrified so let's read it Matthew 7 21 through 23 I'm going to read from the new American standard he says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Yeah, wow. mm, that's right. Well, I'll take a first stab at this and just share some observations. I think 
to get a better uh, handle on what the Lord may be pointing to, we should back up to verse 20. Okay. Actually, we should back up to verse 15. (laughs) So I'll read that, and I'm going to do it out of the uh, New King James Version. Chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets Mm. who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now let me hit pause there, and I just want to say for everyone listening, a false prophet is not somebody who missed inaccurate interpretation of the Bible. It's not somebody who is in error on a certain biblical point or doctrinal point. If that were the case, I would say that virtually every Christian on the planet is a false prophet because none of us get everything right. None of us see everything clearly. There's a book entitled Regrace on the shocking beliefs of the great Christians. If you're somebody who has a quick draw to accuse somebody of being a false prophet, I encourage you to read that book because I think it will cure you of that sort of pharisaical judgmental spirit. And that's exactly what it is. A false prophet is a ravenous wolf Mm. inwardly. These are not people who are saved. These are not people who love God. Mm. These are wolves. They're predators, meaning they want to destroy people. And Jesus says of these false prophets in verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. All right. Now, again, hit pause. If you accuse, and I've watched Christians do this, a true servant of the Lord of being a false prophet, and they are not a false prophet, all right? then whatever judgment you put on them comes back to you. Amen. And Jesus himself said that. That's right. Whatever judgment you heap on someone else will come right back to you. I am very, very, very leery about calling anybody a false prophet. Amen. And the fruit has to be so horrible that it's clear they're a wolf. Mm. That wow. they want to devour people and hurt people and eat sheep. Right? For breakfast. Wow. That's what we're talking about here. These are not sincere people who are really trying to find their way, who just happen to be deceived on a point or two. These are evil, wicked individuals that Jesus is describing. Verse 16, you'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Mm. And that's an image that comes out of the words of John the Baptist where he talks about the tree being put in the fire when he was proclaiming the kingdom. You want to read that reference? Yes, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 10. And already the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not produce good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. And Jesus is saying the same thing here in Matthew 7. Therefore, verse 20, by their fruits you will know them. Now, point. Fruits cannot be signs, wonders, and miracles. Fruits cannot be good deeds because the people who Jesus is describing in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, had good deeds. Mm. They did signs and wonders. They were casting out demons. Mm. They were prophesying, even in the name of the Lord. Mm. 
They were doing many wonders, New King James Version, in his name, right? That's what they were saying to him. Yes. So fruits cannot be acts of service. They must therefore be behaviors, lifestyles, and even words that reveal a person's true character and allegiance. That's what the case seems to be to me. Now, I was brought up in the charismatic world, the Pentecostal world first and then the charismatic world. And for us, fruits meant signs and wonders, mm-hmm. right? If you had signs and wonders following you, then that was evidence that you were in the kingdom. That was evidence that you were bearing good fruit. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not it, <laughs> right? And even in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talks about unbelievers, and that's really a mild term compared to what Paul was saying about them, who do signs and wonders, false and lying signs and wonders. Consequently, those who emphasize miracles, signs, wonders, the miraculous, and put their focus on the wrong thing. Amen. Inward transformation is always far more important than outward gifts Amen. and manifestations. When I was reading this passage a few weeks ago, I was reminded of 1 Corinthians 13.1 because I think Paul is making a similar point. Mm. Uh, and I want to read it to you. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, Mm. then I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, listen to that. Talk about good deeds. And I give my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. All right. Love is the nature of God's life. Amen. You cannot have the nature of God's life without a relationship with God himself, with Jesus Christ, who is the human face of God. You can have mighty, impressive works. You can have signs and wonders following you and even do sacrificial deeds. But if you lack love, which is the nature of the king, you have nothing. Amen. And love, which is benefiting others at the expense of ourselves, and it's, it's truly motivated altruistically it's not done out of selfishness or to have bragging rights but it truly is an act of caring for others at the expense of ourselves that is a sign that you belong to christ and you have his life in you yes. and this is one of the big arguments of first john the book of first john mm. you read it carefully it's the love of the brethren that is the evidence that we're born from above and so in this passage It seems clear that the future kingdom is what is in view. Mm. And entrance into that kingdom on the positive side 
is given to those who do the will of the Father, those who do my Father's will. And on the negative side, those who practice lawlessness or evil doing are banned from the kingdom of God. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, one of the things we clearly see is that Jesus is not a universalist. Amen. Right? There are some who are in and some who are out. And that is offensive across the board in our culture. Amen. Which feels that everybody should be included in everything. Mm -hmm. Right? And Jesus has been reframed and reshaped to be someone who accepts all regardless. And that is not the case here. You cannot square that with these words. There's a part of me that wishes that was the case, right? (laughs) But, you know, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Only he or she who does the will of my Father in heaven will enter into the kingdom. Look at these people and what they say. Judgment has come to them. They've been barred from entering into the kingdom. And what they're doing is they're pointing to their charismatic deeds Mm -hmm. as a justification for entrance into the kingdom. They have prophesied. They've cast out demons. They've done miracles. But the Lord says, entrance into my kingdom is based on doing my Father's will. Yes. Not on the exercise of gifts or even on service. And then he says, I never knew you, which implies they did not know him. Mm. I never knew you, such chilling words, means you were never part of my family. And lawlessness means behaviors that displease God, right? So good deeds are not enough. The miraculous is not enough. A relationship with Jesus and doing the Father's will outside of service, Mm -hmm. okay? Because this is all service here. Doing the Father's will in your personal life, in your private life, right? Mm Mm-hmm is a sign that you are part of God's kingdom now and that you will enter into it in the future. We have examples of some of what Jesus is warning about in the Old Testament. We have Balaam. We have Saul, King Saul. We have Samson. All of them had impressive exploits of power in the miraculous, but they did not carry out the will of God. Over to you, Denzel. (laughs) Well, wow. There's a lot to what you just said. I'm so glad that you went back and and gave uh, that biblical definition of love, benefiting someone else at your expense, Mm. you know, sacrificial love. Mm. You know, God is love, for he so loved Mm. that he gave. Right. Also, where you said about, you know, this this reframed and reformed Jesus where everyone's included. Mm. And you can just go right up a few verses in chapter 7, Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter in through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter through it, mm. because narrow is the gate and constricted mm. is the way that leads to life and few are those who find it so it means maybe they're looking for it they Mm -hmm. don't find it i'm so happy that you you brought out what what fruit is there and about the works because for the longest and you and i kind of track in our journey i was in a pentecostal church and, and then a charismatic church 
And, and part of the what was explained as fruits was how many people that you bring to the Lord. That's your fruit. And then fruit that lasts means that you not only lead them into the sinner's prayer, but they stay a part of the church too. Mm -hmm. And then it's a reflection on, on you as your fruit. Then secondly, like you said, Mark 16, these signs shall follow after the word is preached. So if you really preach the gospel message, then these signs should follow afterwards and it shows you have good fruit, irregardless of what your character is. So I like how you put that out because you know, verse 20, you framed it where he says, they're ravenous wolves. And he says, inwardly in verse 15, inwardly. And we've been talking about how the Christ in us of uh, being God conscious inwardly. And then verse 20, he says, so by their fruits, you'll recognize them. And then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they say his name twice. Mm. Lord, Lord. And then in verse 22, he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Like saying it twice is like a, it's pointing to like an intimacy, like I know you. Yeah. And then he says, I didn't know you. And he doesn't deny that they prophesy in his name. He doesn't deny that they cast out demons in his name. He doesn't say that they didn't even do great works in his name. He doesn't, he doesn't challenge them on that, that they did that. He's saying, I don't know you. Maybe it wasn't birthed out of my life living through you and organically me doing it. You know, I was mentioning in the earlier podcast about how we, you know, the guilt and performance gospel gets you to, you know, get out and do this great commission and go do this. And then we set up programs and systems to do this. I could be doing all that in the name of the Lord. And if it's not his life leading me to do that and do all that, I don't want to fall in this category and say, well, wait a second. Didn't I go on these great missionary journeys for you, Lord? Didn't I do this great evangelism in cities? Didn't I feed the homeless and do all that? And he says, I don't know you, Jeff. And I said, well, what happened? I, I did what what Pastor Denzel said. And he says, well, you know, I didn't know him either. <laughs> you know, but, but, but the pieces, and he says, depart from me. And then what gets me in some of these versions is he says, that they practice lawlessness. Mm. So it's not that you did it as one time act. As a guy who plays sports, we practiced every day. And mm -hmm. we practiced every day so that we could perform even better mm -hmm. on game day. And he's saying that you practice lawlessness when you and yourself thought you were doing the will of the Father. That, that has to be mm -hmm. like the, the worst delusion ever, deception. No to pull on a person, oh. that is ravenous. And I loved how you connected that with ravenous wolf, and you said like they wanna eat the sheep. And, and that's exactly what happens and why uh, I personally feel, you know, the preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens, uh, the insurgents, and these cell groups, uh, kingdom cells, and being with, you know, other believers pursuing these these same things is another thing that that can do for us corporately is we can check each other yes you know the holy spirit through us to check each other if i can be transparent and genuine with my brother with my sister then the lord could show them something in me that could help me along the way to point out in love like hey you know this that or a third 
we, and, and we build up one another. Uh, I personally believe that mm. as we build up one another in the faith, and I love Colossians, it says, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. So I received him by faith. I'm walking in him by faith. And then he says, rooted and grounded in him. And I love that because it takes me to that Old Testament uh, temple in Jerusalem being built into the ground, the land that's Christ, rooted and grounded in him. And letting my roots go deep in him so that whatever fruit that comes through that root system will be the fruit that's of Christ that he wants to produce. And I think I believe I've heard you share this before on Christ is All podcast or another one. I never heard a tree straining to produce that fruit right. or working on its own. It just stayed rooted and grounded. It mm-hmm. received from the heavens the rain. Right. It receives the sunshine. And we know the rain is the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and the light. And then what happens? It organically grows. Right. And I'll say we in the body of Christ can sometimes get hyped by what we might call in the city hype men who want to hype us to to go do this, that, or a third. But it's really getting to know the Lord and and knowing Him deeper and letting your roots grow deep and really Him knowing you. You know, you knowing Him, but Him knowing you. And He even says in John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, that you know the Father Mm -hmm. and the Son that He has sent. And that know is is experientially. the, the first time that word know in the Hebrew is used in the Bible is when Adam knew or Yada Eve and conceived Seth. And so that's an intimate knowing. This is knowing Christ and knowing our Lord and him knowing me and then allowing, as we read in a previous podcast, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, by the unction of the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. Yeah. And what I love in the next verse and 15 is we have not received the spirit of slavery which is the spirit of the world but the spirit of sonship so we can go from slavery to Mm -hmm. sonship Mm -hmm. and then I don't have to hear him on that day because he says on that day which is judgment day say I never knew you depart it'd be better like in a previous podcast than just to be the least in the kingdom than to depart but no the opportunity is there that our Lord he lives within us and getting together with other believers and kingdom selves mm-hmm. that we can all together not only enter and be in the kingdom, but on that day, be in the kingdom and be in that greatest position mm-hmm. because we knew him, he knows us, we're following him. And as you brought out, there's that cost. Yeah, There's that cost. Yes, there's a price to pay for that, to press, because it's a narrow gate to squeeze into but um when you've seen the glory and see christ and experience his glory which is why i love how you you set up the book insurgents you say that and then you go into just so let me let me see his glory let me show you guys the glory of christ and i was just reading a few weeks ago looking back again and, and you talk about the woman with the issue of blood and and like her story from uh, but putting us in there like as from the perspective and saying man i love a christ like that mm-hmm. i could i could i could serve a christ like that i could just worship a christ mm-hmm. like that i just want to be with a christ like that mm-hmm. you know who who sees my great debt and then just says you know the debt is paid mm-hmm. you know i'm blind and gives me sight i'm lame mm-hmm. and gives me the ability to walk this christ who comes like this yes it's worth the price but it's also 
as a person that uh, is a shepherd, functions as a shepherd in a local fellowship, to also be willing to stand in between the people, the sheep, if you will, and the ravenous wolves. And sometimes to have to take that biblical sacrifice, if you will, to take the L for them, the loss, to stand in because that's God's people and to be there, you know, for them. And what's great is he says, but he who does the will of my father, which means that he's going to reveal his will because God's not going to say, I have a will to do and then doesn't reveal it. And I think that you had previously referenced a text from like 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the vain glory of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And I add world system. Verse 17, and the world is passing away and its lust, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Mm. So the Father wants to reveal his will to us, yes, and, and reveal himself to us, but transform us so that we can be equipped to allow Christ to do his will through us. Because again, Denzel's flesh profits nothing, and me and myself profits mm-hmm. nothing, but Christ in me, in us, is the hope of glory, and him doing the work. And, you know, lastly, I'll just say, uh, Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, is the only man that has 100% fulfilled the will of God when he was in earth as a man. Mm -hmm. And so now, why not allow him to live that life through me to fulfill Mm -hmm. the will of the Father? And I don't have to hear Depart from me, you practicer of lawlessness. Oh, my goodness. They thought they could make up for their disloyalty to the Lord Jesus by doing good deeds, even impressive works. Mm. I like what you said where you contemporized it into doing church stuff. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan applied these warnings, uh, this particular text to people who serve in their local churches. It's the person who says, I helped the pastor. When no one else showed up, I did. I taught Sunday school. I showed up whenever my church wanted something, just like you were talking about. And as a pastor, you know all about that. You know the needs. You know the people who don't care. And you know the people who work overtime to try to help. But the Lord says, And this is G. Campbell Morgan now. (laughs) He says, you took my name to make a name for yourself. Mm. I want to make one more point about Mm. this. Actually, two more. One is, in the passage, a relationship with Jesus, right? I never knew you. The opposite of that is, I knew you and you knew me. Amen. So a relationship with Jesus and doing the Father's will go together. Amen. They're connected. Amen. In this text. So the pursuit then is... Lord, I want to know you. Yes. I want to have a relationship with you. I want yes. to have intimacy with you. And I want to do the Father's will. And that's not simply relegated to service because this was all service. Yes. Right? Yes. It's living your life. Yes. The other point I want to make is good. years ago, uh, I met a man who was all about signs and wonders in his ministry. That was his focus. Mm-hmm. His focus 
whole ministry, I won't even mention the name of the ministry or the organization, was about signs and wonders and miracles. And I met him once over coffee. The meeting lasted two to three hours. And that was it. We never met again. We never spoke on the phone. We never saw each other again. I may see him again. He's still alive. But it's been some time. And we only met for two or three hours. Now, you can't get to know a person in two or three hours over know. coffee. That's he, right. He doesn't know me. I hardly know him. That's right. Right. And apparently he's read a few of my books. He uh, may read some of the blog. But it's really interesting because he sent an email to me. And I want to add something. Not only did I only meet him once for two or three hours over coffee, but he doesn't know anybody that is close to me. Mm. Right? He doesn't know anybody that's in my life on a regular basis. Mm. He doesn't know anybody that's been to my home. He doesn't know anyone who's traveled with me or who travels with me mm-hmm. presently. So nobody who really has a close relationship with me. He doesn't know anybody like that. But he sends this email addressed to me, which I was just dumbfounded by reading it. And it said, where are the signs and the wonders in your ministry? Where are the miracles? There are none. And I just thought to myself the first thing i thought is how would he even know that yeah right yeah wow why because i don't talk about them we had a conversation a few hours ago right here in this hotel room Mm -hmm. where i shared with you some of the things that the lord graciously did over the last year which were suspending of natural law you know Mm. miraculous Mm. true that but i don't talk about those things that's right i don't make a big deal about them. I don't put them on banners. I don't make them the emphasis of my ministry. Only a few times have I mentioned one or two situations that I've been in that were, in fact, miraculous, right? I was interviewed for a radio show and I was asked explicitly about that and I gave an example. But I want to give you a story that I learned from a man who worked very closely with Watchman Nee. And I use this as an illustration. And it goes hand in hand with the fact that Jesus, the miraculous, was pervasive in his ministry. Because he was was demonstrating the kingdom of God in Mm. visible, tangible form. And it was just breaking into the earth. But he didn't make a big deal about his miracles. In fact, many times he would say, don't tell anybody. Ooh, yeah. Amen. He wasn't parading them. Yeah. He was very quiet about his signs and wonders. Amen. And the same thing with Paul of Tarsus. If you read his letters carefully, he'll make references here and there, but it's more like a footnote yeah. whenever he mentions it. Yeah. It's not That's a big good. emphasis. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because I tell you what, there are a lot of people who going back to the man I mentioned, who follow him because of the signs and the wonders, at least the talk about the signs and the yes. wonders. I'll get to that later. The big emphasis, because signs and wonders, whether they're operating in your ministry or not, if you talk about them, you teach on it, tell stories about it, you're going to attract a certain kind of Christian because lots of people chase signs and wonders and, let me add this, miss the Lord himself. Mm. And it's Amen. possible to chase it signs and wonders and the miraculous 
and miss Jesus himself. Not to pursue Jesus, but to pursue the signs and the wonders. And by the way, don't forget Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these powerful things? Mm-hmm. I never knew you. So it's possible. Yeah. It's possible to do that. Very possible. All right. So getting back to the Chinese man who worked closely with Watchman Nee. He gave this illustration. He said, once there was a poor man who only had one chicken. The chicken would lay a few eggs a week. And every time the chicken would lay an egg, he would go tell his friends. He would broadcast the news. My chicken laid another egg. Uh Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. Well, there was another man who didn't live far from the poor man. And he had dozens and dozens of chickens. And each of those dozens and dozens of chickens laid an egg a day. So this man had an overabundance of eggs. Mm. Consequently, because he had so many eggs, he rarely talked about it. Mm. He rarely said, hey, my chicken laid an egg. Because he had so much in the way of eggs. He was rich with eggs. And the point this man was making was that talking about your eggs constantly only reveals the poverty you have with respect to eggs. Mm, that's good. And I have found this to be true in my own experience and in my own life mm-hmm. and in my own observation. Uh, Craig Keener, who is a New Testament scholar, yes. a fine New Testament scholar, yes, and an expert in miracles and signs and wonders, made the observation that signs and wonders and miracles are not designed to transform people. Because they don't. They don't. I have watched people look straight at a true miracle and it didn't transform them. Mm -hmm. Didn't even save them. Mm -hmm. Right? Keener says they merrily get people's attention. Mm -hmm. So they will hear the message. All right. And he also observed that there are more miracles in nations that have been unevangelized than there are in evangelized nations like the United States. And I will put a fine point on it by making this one other observation. This gentleman who went to seed on signs and wonders and majored in it, and his whole ministry is about signs and wonders and the miraculous. I have, (laughs) from everything I have seen and heard from people who work closely with him, the quote-unquote signs and wonders and miracles that are in this person's life and in his ministry are nothing close to the signs and the wonders and the miracles that we see in the ministry of Jesus Mm. and in the life and ministry of Paul the Apostle. Wow. And Peter and the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even on the same level. Yeah. Yeah. And so that email that I got from him, it was not only based on a total lack of knowledge about Mm -hmm. me and my life and my ministry it was a case of the pot calling the kettle black Mm -hmm. so my point here is simply this brothers and sisters listening to this number one never ever Mm -hmm. ever put outward signs and wonders and miracles and healings and anything that is in the realm of the miraculous above and beyond inward transformation Mm. outward gift is always subservient to character amen that's number one 
Number two, never, ever judge another Christian Amen. in the area of either character or service or the miraculous. If you don't live with them, walk with them, travel with them, and you don't know their life up close and personal because you will always misjudge. True. Wow. That was awesome. I never thought about this before. And part of what you just said was in there, so I'm going to read this. I'm going to read Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up into the temple at the ninth hour prayer. And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried there, whom they had laid day by day at the door of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those entering into the temple. And he, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, began to ask to receive alms. And Peter, gazing at him with John, said, Look at us. And he turned his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, Silver and gold I do not possess, but what I have, this I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, rise up and walk. And he seized them by the right hand, and raised him up and instantly his feet and ankles were made strong mm. and leaping up and about he stood and began to walk and he entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and they recognized him that he was the one who had been sitting for alms at the temple's beautiful gate and they were filled with amazement and astonishment at what had happened to him. And when you were talking about that and you and you gave a great story there at the work of Watchman Nee and the two men with the eggs and the one I talked about. It. And what just came in my mind was I read first and second Peter, and Peter doesn't make any reference to this miracle. Which I'm pretty sure he wrote after this. And it's like he doesn't say anything. Then John, John doesn't say anything in Revelation about it. He doesn't say anything first, second, or third John about this and yet these two guys I mean this was a miracle and it was at the beautiful gate right there in Jerusalem at the beginning you know the beginning stages of, of the ecclesia in the earth I don't remember reading off the top of my head them ever referencing this again but it was more about knowing the Lord yeah absolutely and transformation and growing him Peter who was Mr. I'll be out there first to do it and, and so yeah, I just that that's what I thought of what came to my mind when you said the story about the eggs and and then secondly what came in is like, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what you yes. do in secret, what your father sees in mm-hmm. secret. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to bring why would I want to bring attention to myself anyhow, since mm-hmm. in me I, I don't have any power to save myself or anyone else or in my flesh, but it's all Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're back again to where we started in an earlier podcast where John the Baptist was like, behold, the mm-hmm. Lamb of God. Yeah, behold, right. the kingdom of that's God right. is at hand. You know, it's behold, and it's Christ. Behold him. And First Peter, which most scholars believe Peter was the author of that letter with mm-hmm. the help of Silas, who probably did a lot of the, the actual scribing of it. The only miracle he mentions, but I can remember off the top of my head is the transfiguration and what was that about yes. jesus christ he yes. was talking about his lord the glory of christ mm. and the whole letter is about jesus yes and his relationship to the believers who are suffering and especially in our day 
people tend to chase the miraculous. Yes. And you can chase the miraculous and you can put it on the throne and dethrone Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. Right. So this is one of the reasons why for me personally, it's not something I talk a lot about. I certainly believe in it. I walk in it. Yeah. I have stories. I've told stories in close quarters and in certain contexts, just as Paul did in some of his letters. Uh, Although, again, it's more like a footnote. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But my focus is Jesus Christ, him, rather than the things he gives. Um, And I have nothing negative to say about people who emphasize signs and wonders. The only thing I would ask of such people is, A, don't judge your brothers and sisters who you do not know. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's operating in their life in the way of the miraculous and the supernatural. Never do that. And B, if you're going to make your ministry about signs and wonders, I would hope that you would only do so if the kind of miracles that are in your ministry are the same as the miracles that we see in the ministry of Jesus yeah. and Peter. Raising the dead. I mean, real raising yes. dead. Like they really yes. were dead. Not yes. five minutes. Yes. But they were yes. dead for a while. Yeah. You know, Lazarus, what, four days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stinking stink. to high heaven. Yeah. All right. There's a funeral. The body's in the casket. He raises it from the dead. All right. A blind eye from birth cannot see mm-hmm. healed. A person who is deaf. Yes. Right. Medically verifiable. They can hear. Someone who has the palsy. Mm. Have you ever seen somebody who has cerebral palsy? There's no question if they were truly healed and you saw that. That's not my back hurts. Mm. Pray for me. I don't have anything to say negative about that. That's wonderful. Your back hurts. Somebody prays. They're healed. Great. I have pain in my leg. Let's pray for you. Oh, it's better now. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. But that's not the kind of dramatic sign and wonder that you see in the ministry of Jesus, Peter, Paul, etc. So it's the only thing I would say is back up a little bit and ask yourself, if I'm going to make my whole ministry, the whole ballgame, signs and wonders, Mm. don't you think you should have that kind of demonstrable power coming through your ministry, Mm. verifiable where you can have doctors verify, and there's some people in the past who had that kind of miraculous ministry coming out of their service to God, and doctors would verify. Yes. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. All right, saints. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you in the next episode as we continue in the book of Matthew, looking at every reference to the kingdom of God that we have not yet explored. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.